Today we have a very special guest named Allison Schaefer, who is a parenting expert, a family, child and family therapist. Is that right? Indeed. Okay. And we're here to talk about parenting, children, ourselves, and all the other things going on around those topics. So I'm just going to ask Allison maybe to introduce herself and tell us about you and what why what you do and why you're here and all that stuff. Well, well, I'm here because we're friends and we're we're both interested in so much of the same things and it's great to be with somebody like-minded. Um my training is in Adlerian psychology. And right. um I work with families in a private practice and I do a lot of parent education workshops and speaking to try to get the work of Alfred Adler out to the general public. Um and I came to it as a second career. Actually, I have a Bachelor of Science. That was my first, <laughs> my first voyage into life. But then I became a mother. Okay. And so wait, wait. How did you go from a Bachelor of Science then to Adlerian psychology well, from well, the so mother? This is it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, ne- I I loved learning science. My degree was in kinesiology, but I never went into that line of work. I actually started working for nonprofits. I was a nonprofit consultant. Okay. Know. Most people have five major careers, right? Right. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, sorry. But so, I, t- but I took yeah. a, um, I took a mat leave from that work, and um, was trying to raise my kittles, and of course the little the beginning was fine. I and you have two that are relatively close in age. Is I that do. Right? They're yeah, yeah, good memory. Yes. So my girls are Zoe and Lucy, and they're now twenty four and twenty five. So okay. they're Yeah. Wow. They're eighteen months apart. Yeah. Um. And I and I was doing fine in the beginning. I I figured out the sleep training. I got over the chap nipples. Like I was kind of coasting the, for the first little bit, and then I about 16 months, you know, when they start saying no, and you start having that, re- <laughs> you know, when you have that moment where you say they're doing that on purpose. And I started to realize I had to figure out discipline. And, uh, and I had remembered that my parents used to teach parent study classes in the living room of my house. And I usually I actually babysat the kids while the parents took Amazing. the class. Yeah. And so they still had the class textbook. So I pulled it out and I started reading it. And Mike, I'm telling you, it's like I found a cure for cancer and had to tell the rest of the world. Yeah. I was like, everybody needs to know this. So that began the un the undigging of my family history, which when you're in your own family, you just think it's your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought we were quirky, but I did not realize that my, um, and memories started to come back, but my father and my grandmother founded the Alfred Adler Institute here in Toronto. There's now the Adler School, which is a degree granting school. But at the time, it was just an institute and doctors and nurses and teachers, lay people could come take parenting classes right. or learn learn about Adlerian psychology. And just for everybody, Alfred Adler is quite a well-known and respected Psychologist yes, was and psychiatrist. Like one hundred one. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, from the nineteen hundreds or the twentieth yeah, century. This, so yeah. I, you know, to put him in historical context, yeah. I tell people that basically, uh, Carl um, Jung, Sigmund Freud, and Alfred Adler were intellectual sparring partners. Right. And Adler actually was the um, journal editor for Sigmund Freud, and but they ended up. Uh, debating right, as, enough yeah, that they yeah, kind yeah. of broke <laughs> apart and went in their own direction. But Adler, uh, the, at the 100th anniversary of his death, the New York Times said that he was the most influential thinker whose name has the least amount of right. name recognition. Yes, yes, so yes. although it's, it's it, I don't want people to think that I'm part of a cult. Yeah, this is actually yeah. such generalized thinking yes, yes, that yes, we yes. don't really give credit back to its roots. But right. it's when people hear it, they're like, that's just common sense. I yeah, didn't yeah, know it had right. a name. Yeah. And yeah, in my studies, I read a lot of about 
more modern, I don't know, or maybe psychologists that have come in the later half of the 20th century that were greatly influenced by Adler. Right, like a lot of people know, like um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So he was a student of Adler. So people might know that further generations down, to your point. Okay. Sorry. So your parents or your dad and grandma, you said, started the... My grandmother And you were reading the the textbooks? Mm -hmm. I get sidetracked a lot because no, I'm so interested okay. in the little details. So you, yeah, you so were. I was raised this yeah. way. I mean, the long and the short of it is I was raised this way. We were a demonstration family with Dr. Rudolf Dreikers, who wrote the book Children, the Challenge, which is still considered by the Library of Congress to be one of the most seminal writings on parenting um, of this um, wow. century. So, um, yeah, so I have memories of the man, but yeah. it's very interesting to be born and raised in these traditions and then to be a mother and have to try to recall your own childhood and have to go back right. to the book that had the fact, because my parents didn't do it perfectly. I'm not doing it yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does it perfectly. Yeah. Which so, is really helpful for people to remember, yeah. myself included. Oh, yeah. And, and not only that, I would say pox upon you. If you, if you, do, what a curse to give your children if you are a perfect parent. Cause yeah. how, <laughs> I mean, think about that. Like yeah. what a curse. Yeah. That because yeah. I can't think of a of a more dire situation than having a perfect parent and then thinking that you're going to ever right, grow up right. and raise My kids God. and follow in those footsteps. It's not we're humans. We're, we're not meant to be perfect. It's a okay. terrible pursuit. So yeah, it really is. Um, and it's also funny that at some point I don't know what age it is, but when you realize your parents are just normal like everyone else, and that what a weird uh, realization that well, is. Well, and but... even when you when you become a parent and you say, how did they do it? Like, how did they do with us four monsters? I have three older brothers. Right, and right, like, right. I raised two girls who were generally pretty easygoing yeah, kids, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think back of, of the four of us and the conditions that we were raised in. And I, I just like hats off to my parents. Right. So much more respect <laughs> now that I've parented myself. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So you're in the toddler madness. So you had two... I have a friend right now who has, she has two kids under the age of two. So that must have been somewhat similar to your situation. And you start reading your parents' books. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you found the cure for cancer, basically, or some sort of, I had to keep learning more and more and more, and I had to keep teaching more and more. And so, and that's what I did. I went on my own educational journey. So I worked in Ned Leary in nursery school. I learned so much from those teachers. My kids went to the nursery school, but I learned so much. And that in Toronto? Up in Richmond Hill. Wow. School, Ned Leary Nursery School. Is it still there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I've since, uh, I've since helped, um, train and open two Adlerian nursery schools wow. here in Toronto no as well. Way. Cause I'm really big on the early years. I think, you know, start, start them off. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, wow. so I got a lot of training there yeah. and then I, then I went back to the Adler school and actually got my master's degree in counseling. Um, and then just, there's so much international training. So, um, you know, there's international schools for Adlerian psychology yeah. and national conferences. And so I've, I've got my mentors right. in my field. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then you started, counseling i guess or how did where was the transition between working in sort of helping these uh, junior schools or the preschools and then into how did you get into family counseling or yeah, I, I mean that i did kind a of lot stuff? of this concurrently i have yeah. to tell you um because i was you know i even kept a consulting business while i was going to school while i was raising my right, kids to right. offset all the cost of all of this <laughs> but after i graduated from the adler school which took me a long time because i was doing it part-time and raising yeah. my kids yeah um and um, so that took me a lot of years to complete. But when I finished, then I started my my private pra- practice, pra- and, right. I, and I and I put it on hold a couple of times because the teaching and the speaking and that 
ate up a lot of time and yeah, I found it actually yeah. really, I didn't want to be disrespectful to clients by always having to bump their appointments, right. you know? So, yeah. so now I found, I found a nice mix now. Right. And so what, what does the mix look two like? Two days today? a week. Mondays yeah. and Tuesdays. Uh -huh. Yes, I'm here actually. Uh -huh. yeah, right, yeah. So right. two days a week I see clients. Um, and th those are, that's it. Those are client days. I never move them. I don't budge them. And then the rest of the week is writing and media and travel and things. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. You know, my kids are older, right? I don't need to be the little, I don't need to be the mom at home yeah, having dinner yeah. ready, right, or, you right. know, around on the weekends. It's, I have much more time as my own. Right. Amazing. And you've done a ton of TV and media and all that kind of stuff over the years, uh, like uh, around these topics. Like, I'm Absolutely. curious, maybe, what is the, have you noticed a change in what was being asked of you, say, 10, 20 years ago when your kids were little? Or have you seen a progression in the concerns of parents or the behaviors or No, I do see, that for stuff? sure, yeah. I do see trends. I do see trends. Um, I would say, uh, and we were, you and I were talking before we jumped on air here, yeah. it, it, there is a... Um, the mentality that kids are fragile um, and the the sort of what I would call scarcity mentality that you've got to be the cream of the crop mm -hmm. or you're somehow going to be left behind, that there's only so many places in the world for the elite and, and, uh, and I don't know, some terrible disaster happens to the rest of the people. Right. It, you know, it's this, this competitiveness, this fear that my kids are not going to be in that top echelon. And I mean about anything. I mean, about anything. So I, I would say there is the, it's, it's a kind of a doom and gloom, sort of fearful, oppressive, scary kind of environment. And it's, and it's perpetuated through parents, through media, through educators. Right. And, um, and I don't think it's a good narrative. I don't think it's a good zeitgeist for, for raising kids. And that is different. Like, did that start? Did you see that progressing or out of nowhere or like I, when you that started? That one was a slow burn. That yeah. one was a slow burn. I would definitely say technology has been a game changer. I mean, there's certain questions where no matter where I go, yeah, like you just yeah, screen yeah. time, screen time, yeah, screen time. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, screen yeah, time. Yeah. What I do is screen time. <laughs> um, you know, so, so then Fortnite, so, Minecraft, like, yeah. you know, this, this, this dog's parents. Um, and I'm very pro technology. So I bring a different message yeah. than a lot of other parent educators who, who, um, you know, just think it's the devil and, and I don't at all. I, I, it's the future and we need to use it to our betterment, yeah. not to our detriment. Mm -hmm. And just like any other parenting skill, people have to parent around it. But parents are really bad at, at limits and boundaries. When you think your kids are fragile, um, you know, and when you're right. when you're time strapped yeah. and, and tired and busy. That seems to be a big one, yeah. at least for us, for me. Just Personally, easier to yeah. do it yourself. Easier to do it yourself. And, you know, suddenly you realize when, when are you going to start? When are you going to start? Because now you got a 12 year old who doesn't take any responsibility and right. thinks life is always fun. And then suddenly they have homework and they don't want to do it because it's not fun. Right. You would never, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you've, if you've been <laughs> entertained your whole life and never had to go through the drudgery of loading a dishwasher or cleaning your room or doing chores around the house. And the first time you're given something that you don't want to do, which is like math homework, mm -hmm. these kids just don't do it. They're just like, what? Why? Never, I've never had to do anything I don't enjoy before. <laughs> right. And you say, and so you're saying the, because when you were saying the, t so for me, and I think my wife as well, but I'll speak for myself, uh, the fatigue and the fact that we're busy and whatever, tired and whatever, um, makes it harder personally to enforce the boundaries. Yes. Not, and it causes more conflict. Uh because we do enforce them quite as to the best of our ability. Yeah. So 
when there's resistance resistance from the kids because we don't back down. Uh, I mean, we may sometimes, but because it is important for parents to realize when they're when they are being unreasonable, yeah. which I think is another layer to that whole boundary confusion. Ah, it's just complicated. Yeah, uh, and, but, and, yeah. And everyone knows we need to be flexible and there's exceptions to the rules. Right. Um, but I was very clear with my own kids. You know, they had allowance. And so if they wanted to spend their allowance on ice cream, that was up to them. But every now right. and then, I'd be at the park with them. And then, the, you know, the little ding-ding truck would come. And <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, can't a mom buy her kid an ice cream? Like, that's a nice thing to do. And uh, I just remember saying to my kids, today I'd like to treat you to an ice cream. But yeah. it's it's an exception to the rule. And if you have trouble with, like, the occasional treat and it leads to people begging me or yeah, pleading yeah, yeah, with me yeah, about yeah. it, then it will tell me you can't handle the exception to the rule. And I won't make any exceptions to the rule if it's just easier and, and more harmonious to not have occasional treats. Right. Yes, that's <laughs> and, and helpful. Can... Yeah, because so I think uh, personally, lately because I've been so busy, but sometimes I... Just know that I'm not going to be able to handle the resistance. Mm -hmm. And rather than getting angry and mean to my kids, I may say this is a treat or this is an exception and I'll let them watch. So we have a rule. There's no screen time during the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, our kids are three and six. So yeah. that's, I think, quite, quite reasonable. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So then sometimes when I say here's a a treat or whatever, <laughs> you know, time. they'll get to watch. And then the next day they're like, can we watch a show? Can we watch a show? And I'll say no. And then, oh, why, yeah, 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 yeah. and then, so it speaks to your point of, and I think I can do better at communicating to them. This is a special occasion. You know, you're not supposed to watch during the week, but we're watching it now because I'm tired or because whatever. Uh, but that doesn't mean tomorrow you can ask. Right. And then when tomorrow happens and they start whining, then I'm, I don't think I'm as good at saying, remember yesterday when I told you this was a treat mm -hmm. and da, da, da. And because sometimes I just get irritated or whatever. Why are you whining? Or I told you it was a treat or I don't know. But that's sort of because you the way you described it was very clear and kind in a sense. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, if you can't handle this, be, you know, if you show me that you can't handle that sometimes we can have a treat or whatever, then we can't do it anymore or that you're showing me you're not ready mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, well, does I it think, take practice or like how, and well, you read different. So the way I describe with boundaries, I, I don't, and this is going to apply to all anything we talk about in terms of like discipline advice. Okay. Um, you just have to do it one situation at a time. Like people go home and they say, I'm going to be consistent now <laughs> across everything, across all rules. All right, 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 and, right. and the likelihood of that really happening, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I think you're better just to say, I'm going to be really consistent with whatever it is, bedtime. I'm going to be really consistent with getting off the iPad. I'm going to be really consistent with my rule about no feet on the couch. Like just pick one thing to be really consistent on. And part of that is you're going to see the success behind it. Right. And it's going to eliminate one fight and you can move on to the next thing. But to, to, to ask a, a parent to be consistent across all, you're just really, right. you're, you're not going to have any success and you're going to get discouraged. But the idea behind this is I want it, I want kids to understand what the rules are and Kids find limits and boundaries and figure out rules by testing them. And they also are learning about the rules, but they're also learning something about you. 
You know, are you mm -hmm. right? Are you a pushover? Do you really mean what you say? Um, you know, if I dig my heels in deep enough, will you, can I eventually get you to cave on the days that you're tired? You know, they're le they're learning so so much. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening, and the reason we get so distraught at the pushback, but if you think about like teaching kids to play soccer, there's very clear rules. You know, you got to kick it from this line. If it goes out of this bounds, then the ref blows the whistle and it's out of play. <clears throat> and and once all the rules are clear, they have a great time playing. Right. But if the ref says, you know what, <laughs> I had a tough day at the office. You know, I'm I know I used to call that out of bounds, but today for you, it's in bounds. You get two points. <laughs> right. People would go irate for that. So. A lot of times what happens to kids is they don't think about that special time that you gave them the exception to the rule. What they end up saying is, why don't you like me today? Hmm. Why don't I get the special exception today? What did I do today right. that you don't like me enough to let me have the iPad or stay up late or whatever? And you end up looking like the meanie in, to them, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and uh, to that point, how we handle those uh, over time does that help them understand that they're, it's not necessarily necessarily that they're bad or that we're mean. It's just that sometimes life is a bit, uh, I don't know, paradoxical or ambiguous or something like that. Like, Well, for sure. <clears throat> I, like I that... said, I, there's exceptions to the rules and, and like none of us are perfect parents. But what, in a, one of the main tenets of Adlerian psychology is that we need to live as social equals. That doesn't, and this is not, this does not mean that kids are the same as parents. Right. Equanimity is not the same as same as. Right. We have different roles in the family. Yes. But if a parent elevates themselves in their power position and starts to be, use power to control and manipulate children, kids are not going to want to cooperate anymore. When we lose mutual respect and social equality in the family, we will start to get non-cooperation. Right. And so when we are arbitrary about limits and boundaries, when we're arbitrary, we're basically saying, because I said so. Right. Get off because I say so. You can have it because I say so. Which means now what's the, the dictator of what's happening is your personal power over them. And that's going to create the right. problems. So. To your point, sometimes life, we have to adjust for life. So we, so we call that, what are the needs of the situation? Okay. The needs of the situation yeah, are, yeah. I know that seven to eight o'clock is supposed to be your screen time, but the house is on fire. So we need to leave the building. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's right, right. the yeah, needs of the yeah. situation. That's not because That's I That's really helpful. So. Yeah, right. So <laughs> could you say that it's contextual, contextual yeah. in some sense? Right. And I think it's important for kids to be able to look around and to see it, right. to help learn about context right. and how the decision making is being made and not basically because I say so, because I feel like it, because today I'm tired, because really that all the decision making falls to me right so where i because i always try to reflect on myself so sometimes i will say if i am too tired or if there's no time or if i'm just had enough or whatever i will say because i said so um and so i try to i reflect am, is that reasonable in the context um am i being a dictator um and I, because I think it is a fine line or it's tricky between I'm the adult, I'm in charge. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm sort of better than you or whatever, but 
I am. There's a. I don't know if. Do you know who Susan Stiffelman is? No, no. She's a parenting author, I guess, similar to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's in from the U.S. She says the parents are the captain of the ship or whatever, yes, and they I need totally to earn agree. the respect yeah. of their shipmates, yeah. which is the kids. But they're still sort of the captain in a sense. So how would how? Where's the balance between? I am sort of the leader. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to be, I'm trying to think of an evil boss or king or something. Well, from a chill, yeah. But, that, but to your point, does that make, though, like, yes. Does that make sense, the question? Kinda? Yes, it does. So, okay. so I think there's a difference between being the boss yeah. and being bossy. Right, okay. And, and so just the same if we look at um, uh, the workplace. You have mm-hmm. people in the workplace mm-hmm. that have different positions. Some people work the mailroom. Some people are in marketing. Some people are the CEO and CFO. Different jobs in the company, different responsibilities, different pay scales. But never does it say, well, you're just the guy from the mailroom so I can demean you. Right. Now, I might say we should have the guy from the mailroom talk about, uh, you know, some major purchasing decision because we're going to acquire this other company. Actually, I think that's really outside the realm of what the mail person could do. Mm -hmm. But but we might get saved from these other levels. So there are there are there are ways to have difference. Yeah without being disrespectful. Right. And so um, I do think strong leadership in the family is important, like the captain of the ship. And you can see when it erodes, because what will happen is, A, you'll have more anxious kids. Mm-hmm. And and out of their fear, they will take over the household. And we often see this um, <laughs> with separation and divorce, where the parents really are not working as a team. Yeah. And, and they're, um, there's just not a synchronous movement of leadership and the kids will insert themselves right well that i assume that's actually probably a great thing to talk about a bit is the challenges around separation and divorce and how sort of i don't know if it's fair to use traumatic but how stressful that is (laughs) for i guess both partners and the kids and how maybe that influences the parents ability to be present and make decisions that are more thoughtful or rational or like I can, from experience of conflict with my wife, when we're in conflict, our ability to be consistent um, and all those things is really hard Yeah, because you're internal, you're in so much turmoil personally that you, that's very difficult. So how does that play into the kids taking over and how have you worked maybe with families around that stuff? Yeah. So I think I get, uh, you know, we, we want to parent on the same page. I get that right. all the time. Yeah. You know, I want, I want my husband or my wife to come to this course so that we can parent on the same page. Uh-huh. And they're basically again saying, well, they won't listen to me, to me. So maybe if you, the expert, tell them, you'll get them on my side. And <laughs> yeah. I can already feel power dynamics between the husband and wife, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, and which trickles down to the kids. Right. But So what I say to parents is you don't need to parent exactly the same. If you did, one of you would be redundant. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're yeah, not cookie, yeah, you're not right. cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's a child's job to figure out their place in the universe. Yes. In the family, but also in the greater scheme of things. And mm-hmm. you know what? You're going to have teachers that are harsher than other teachers. There's going to be different rules at the library and, and at the puppet show than there is in your house. Mm-hmm. And you've got to figure out all the different types of temperaments and all the different people. And I'm not going to run around and clean up and tell all your friends to treat you like this and tell all the relatives to treat you like that. The child has to figure out all those variabilities in the world. And, and we are unique. 
you know, we have different buttons. We have different, we came from different backgrounds. We have different temperaments. All of us are, are different. Mm-hmm. And being an, in an intimate relationship requires being authentic and, and being true to yourself. You know, that's part of how you bond with people. Right. So, you know, I, I, I don't, this idea that we just got to do it exactly the same, I, I don't think is the ideal to go for. It's not it's nice. I mean, I obviously have a guiding philosophy that I like and, yeah. um, but I have enough belief in kids and I know enough about the dynamics that I know they're smart enough to know, well, if I want to stay up late, I'm going to ask dad. <laughs> yeah. If I ask mom, she's going to make me go to bed. Like you think they're stupid. They, they totally know. <laughs> yeah, which I did. Also, I did for sure. Yeah. Which also yeah. means if you're going to get yelled at because you're horse playing at the table and one of the parents thinks you should have better table manners, yes. you sat down as a kid knowing you were going to provoke that reaction. Yeah. So the child is not an innocent in any of these dynamics. So I, I basically hmm. say who, whoever starts the discipline finishes the discipline. Don't don't undermine right. each other. Right. So if dad, right. you know, dad yells at you, it's just like, mm, I'm sorry you're having trouble with your dad. I guess if you don't want to get yelled at, you could have better table manners. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really helpful because that gets into the boundary stuff too, yeah. right? Yeah, because I think I can see that. I think my wife and I have been better with that lately mm-hmm. over, I don't know, whatever is not... Because what do they call that? Triangulation. Triangulation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Yeah. And so maybe you could explain to us what triangulation kind of means or looks like. I mean, you kind of said it, yeah, but I mean, how would that be more specific? Like in lay terms, we kind yeah. of say mind your own business. <laughs> so okay. if you, in any situation, you can say who really owns the problem, who's really involved. Okay. And so in the, in the example that we yeah. just used of the dinner table, if somebody's fooling around at the table and it's irking one parent, the yes. problem resides between the irked parent and the child who's being right. bothersome to that, to that parent. The other parent would make the third corner yes. of the triangle. Yes, yes. So usually we end up with sort of this, somebody is the victim, somebody is the aggressor, yeah. <laughs> um, and someone's the, and the rescuer. Okay. And this doesn't just happen in our nuclear families. This right. happens in the workplace. This mm-hmm. happens, you know, anytime you stick your nose in where it doesn't belong, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're, it's called Cartman's triangle and you're making, you're making things worse. And People also play all those different roles because then, you know, then the wife starts yelling at the husband for not using proper discipline. Well, now she's the aggressor. The husband's the right, victim and right, the kids right. says, don't yell at daddy. Don't yeah, yell yeah, at yeah. Now. Oh, now the child's the rescuer. So it's <laughs> amazing. Mind wow. your own business. Yeah. And so then what would you suggest for the parent who's on the outside? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that they can observe that situation or not? Yeah. Get in there and cause triangulation. Yeah. I, well, I, I would, you could just sit there and say nothing. Uh, yeah. Notice that your child looks at you, which yes. right there says they're saying, come do my bidding. Yes. Come, come do my work for me. <laughs> my kids do that all the time. Right. And so, yeah, which yeah, one, yeah. and again, you can be completely empathetic, right? There's, yeah. I'm not saying you have to be cold hearted. Um, you know, you may completely agree with the child that, that they right. weren't really kerfuffling yes. enough to warrant a yell. But, but at that point, the appropriate response is, is, is simply just, you know, you know, I'm sorry, you're having difficulty with your dad. You know, if you don't like it, you need to speak up with him. Right. If you think that was unfair to be yelled at and then that it didn't deserve, then you need to speak up right. and help them find their voice. Yes. Not look for someone to, to do their fighting for them. Yeah, that's really helpful. And then the couple afterwards mm-hmm. that and that it's is it time for them to debrief 
on those moments separately yeah. from the kids yeah, or you could say, Hey, what would happen at the table there? Yeah. You know, or, and you might say, Hey, like he's five. I think you're expecting him to sit like a 12 year old when right. he's only five. And so you can have an adult debate yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's all part of figuring out, you know, your, your coupleship and, yes. and like any other agreement that you make in the house, like the right. temperature of the bedroom at night, you're going to, you'll, <laughs> you know, you'll figure it out. It'll be one of many conversations oh. that you have, but I don't think what, the thing is you don't want to do it in front of the child. Okay. Yeah. That so, was going to be. Yeah. yeah and and if, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, ki- parent, parents need to have open disagreement in right. front of their kids yes, because yes. part of what kids need to see is yes. to model <clears throat> right. that even grownups can dispute and have different points of view, but they come to resolution and they continue to love one another. Right. They need right, to see right, it right. close. Yeah. They need to see it yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, and, and along those lines, somebody actually suggested I ask you about parenting guilt. Mm. So she said, um, basically, I go to bed every night feeling guilty about something uh, that I did, that I didn't do, that I, whatever. Uh, And so, yeah, how would, so let's, let's build on the triangulation thing. Say there was something going on uh, and then the parent, I guess it doesn't matter whether they entered the triangle, entered the dyad or whether they were in it already, but they felt bad about how they handled it. And then they're going to bed thinking, oh, I'm the worst parent or whatever it is. How does that, how do you help people through those moments, I guess? Well, so in, uh, another Adlerian tenet is we're always looking at what's the usefulness of the behavior. And emotions always sort of drive our purpose. So they, they're the, the energy in the system. So, you know, mm-hmm. what's the usefulness of feeling bad and beating yourself up? What's the usefulness of feeling guilty? So the expression is guilt feelings are good intentions we don't plan to keep. Good intentions we don't plan to keep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it allows you to continue acting badly and keep yourself and keep a high opinion of yourself. Hmm. (laughs) So That's interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, So so it's like, you know, well, you know, I think I'm a good person. So I should really go visit my mother-in-law more frequently because she's in an old folks home. Yeah. But I'm not going to go. But I'm going to feel really badly about it so mm-hmm. I can still feel like a really good daughter-in-law. Like, right. You know, because yeah, really, yeah. I'm a really good person. Uh-huh. As opposed to saying, you know, I'm a shit. I'm a bad person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm a bad person. I, yeah, I didn't go visit. I'm going to have to notify iTunes. A, about that's where we're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So say... So I might just say to them, yeah. like I, th- my, my first book is called Breaking the Good Mom Myth. Yes. And, and part of the main tenet behind that is, is this idea that we somehow evaluate our worth. And it's very involved in our ego and superiority and trying to be perfect and judging ourselves. And imagine if we just let go of all of that and just said, your worth as a human being was given to you in your birthright and it doesn't go up and it doesn't go down. Mm-hmm. You are worthy because you're a human being. Yep. Now you can get better at things. Sure. Parenting's a skill. People are listening to this podcast because they want to get better at their, that's mastery. Right. But it doesn't make you superior. So you have good days, you have bad days, just it, like we all do. Yeah. So I would just say, be gentle, have compassion with yourself and, and say, 
uh, I don't need to beat myself up in order to learn. That's such a pun. That's such a old style. If I if I feel bad enough about it, I'll be uh, there'll be an aversion, and then I won't mm-hmm, act like that mm-hmm. lately. But, but later. But all, all we know about learning theory is that people who have positive feelings are actually in a better headspace to learn. Right. So just ask yourself, you know, oh, you know, why did I step in? Why couldn't I hold myself back? How might I do that differently? Oh, right. I'm not a perfect parent. Today was one of those days. I didn't hold anything back. This was the best I could do today. Right. Given all the other factors of the universe, that was me doing my best and it looked like that. Right. Tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. And so that would take practice and <laughs> reflection, right? Yeah, no doubt. I'm not saying but the... it's not a one and done. No, no. To limit the guilt cycle though right because yeah. as you said if you go every time you don't visit your mother-in-law and you rationalize it uh that you're really a good person and etc maybe it's well why don't i visit her and if it's for reason a b c and d and those are valid reasons then it's okay that i don't visit right. her and why am i judging myself on that right, right. so you could maybe ask something like that or, or say you know what if i'm going to judge myself that badly about it why don't i just go <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Like yeah, then, yeah, then, right. Then go there. Right. But don't right, sit right, and right. make yourself suffer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And could you share maybe what are some common parenting guilts? Uh, I'm trying to think of one well, myself, yelling. but maybe I mean, as you're always like that. I yelling, mean, right? Yeah. Losing our temper and raising yeah, our right. voice. Yes. Um, which is interesting because that. Uh, leads into a whole other conversation about parents having this romantic idea that kids should just listen to them. <laughs> They're just, I'm just like, if, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand, it would just alleviate so much suffering for kids and parents alike. Mm-hmm. If I could just get them to drop that one belief that right. listening is a sign of respect, that kids are supposed to listen. Because the minute you can abandon that and say, actually, kids aren't supposed to listen. Yes, yes. They, they find limits and boundaries and figure out rules and dynamics experientially. You have to actually do something. You have to do something mm-hmm, to teach them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you can just see it in the paradigm of, oh, I actually have to teach them. Right. Then things would just be so much easier. Oh. Um, so what ends up happening is we, we say, get your coat. We got to go. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. And the pitch goes up and then the parent gets more and more angry, sees it more as disrespect, feels more pressure about being punctual. And then they snap. And in the end, the child just learns, you know, we we don't really leave until it gets to 160 decibels. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 What you learn, that they learn how mad you need to be. Right. How, how bad you will go. And then you have to yell louder the next time because they're going to hold off until you hit 160 decibels, like <laughs> 162, 168, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So what, so how do we navigate those situations better then? So is it pre-planning? It's repetition? It's yeah. kind assertiveness sort of thing? Well, like, depending on where it is. I mean, one of the things about taking a parenting class yeah. is that you learn so many different tools for your toolbox. And in an Illyrian parenting class, which obviously is my yeah. preferred flavor, uh-huh. but, I, but but take any parenting sure, class. Sure, sure. Like yeah, you're not going to yeah. go too wrong taking a parenting yeah. class. But if you take an Illyrian parenting class, one of the things that you're going to learn is that when you have a misbehavior happening, you have to um, diagnose um, the dynamic before you pick your tools. And what we find is that there's four kinds of dynamics that we get into with kids. It's either attention seeking, power struggles, revenge or avoidance. So once you figure out why they're doing what they're doing, what's mm-hmm. the what's the usefulness for the child? Are they trying to keep you busy? 
well, then I have a different set of tools than if they're trying to dominate me. Right. So first I got to figure out what the child's trying to accomplish in the situation. And then I want to help them accomplish it, not through the creative solution they figured out. Uh-huh. I want to show them how to accomplish it in a pro-social constructive right. way. So depending That's, on what the situation yeah. is, like, you know, but it, it means don't just talk. You got to go dig for a tool. And so then in a situation where in order to get out of the house, it needs to get to 160, uh, is it the reason for the non-cooperation, if I can put it mm-hmm. that way, of getting out of the house is, could that be any one for one of those four things? Like, it's not necessarily, I don't like to listen. It could be what happened two hours earlier, they're still holding on to some sort of resentment or like, so it could be any of those four categories. Any of the, and it can it, morph. It can yeah. start in the, <laughs> okay. in the beginning. It might be that they really like you doing for, so they right. like, you know, you put on my shoe, you help me with my coat. That could be like a lot of attention seeking because okay. they're keeping you engaged with them. So you can't, you know, return text messages on your phone or help your baby <laughs> brother get ready. Right. right? So right. It's like, ah, I'm monopolizing your time. I like that. Okay. So this, that could be attention. Yeah. And then as, as things, start to get slow and you get more persistent or, or more demanding about things, yeah. it might turn into a power struggle where they absolutely refuse. Right. So, you know, you know, and then if you win the power struggle and say, that's it, and you stuff them in their snowsuit and you throw yeah, them in the yeah. car and then they wet their snowsuit and that could be revenge. Like, yeah, you can put me in the car yeah, and yeah. you can shove me in my snowsuit, but what are you going to do about my bladder? Yeah. So it can move from attention to power Interesting. to revenge yeah, yeah, right. in okay. the course of a few minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. They're so clever. I know. Really uh, yeah, they really are. The, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, he's a mindfulness leader in the U.S. Jack Cornfield oh, was giving an express an example of, you know, the two-year-old or the 18-monther who's throwing food off of the uh, high chair or whatever. And he describes the kids, and I've heard it this way before, as the kid is a psychologist or whatever, right? Because they're like, what are they going to do now? Boop, totally. <laughs> throw the food off. What are they going to do here? And you sort of explain that earlier they're trying to learn about the world and figure out what the hell's going on and that the human brain is really designed for two things it's it's designed to be social and it's designed to learn and if parents could always just be saying to themselves what might my child be learning from this right. what might my yeah, child yeah, be yeah, learning yeah. from this um <clears throat> they're they're they got to piece together the world it's their job to understand the world and their place in it and they they learn by trial and error. They learn experientially. So if they can't get your attention to play with you because you're busy, you're busy, you're busy. But the minute you go over and start pulling on the cat's tail mm-hmm. and you can't ignore that. So you're like, hey, leave the cat alone. Well, what kid is it? Look, well, look, I tried to engage you through this. I tried to engage you through. I failed. I failed. I failed. But apparently if I pull the cat's tail, you have time for me. So kids often find that when they... They don't see it as misbehavior. Right. Yeah, they just see yeah, it as yeah, a career. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to solve a problem and they found a solution. Yeah. But the the solution is things that parents don't like to see. So well-behaved kids tend to get ignored. Kids who um, misbehave tend to get the lion's share of attention. Yeah. Wow. Even if it means getting yelled at, which mm-hmm, is sad, mm-hmm. but it is, it's, yeah. it's the truth. And I often, when I'm reflecting on my own experience as a parent, the balance between... I'm also human and I also make all these mistakes. And you sort of uh, mentioned it in um, breaking the good mom myth or is that what it is? Breaking Mm -hmm. or just, yeah. Breaking the good mom myth. Yeah. And so how do we, because, and I am a 
a pretty disciplined mindfulness practicer or whatever. And so much of mindfulness is, is learning to be kind and, and understanding towards oneself so that you can be out, outwardly. But then I find myself sometimes being assuming that I should be kind more often or that when I'm not, I'm bad or whatever it is. And then I, then maybe this flip side of that is justifying yelling or justifying getting angry or irritated. Mm -hmm. So I kind of go between both sides, but how do we balance that? You know, you said if we could always tell ourselves, what are they trying to learn or what are they, how can I be helpful in this situation or whatever? Those are great ideals. Mm -hmm. And so how do we maybe forgive ourselves when we don't meet up to those ideals and how I assume maybe that's a lot about what you talk about in that book. I'm not sure, but well, I mean, to your point, if, if, um, if we say that parenting is about preparing kids for adult life and to join the greater society that they're supposed to contribute to, um, you're teaching them how to be human and humans have feelings. Like if you never train them on what to do when you have anger, they're not well prepared for life because mm-hmm. the truth is mm-hmm. anger is a core emotion. Sure. It's what you do with your anger. That's yes. the problem. So I, I think to like lose our cool and then to come back and say, you know what? I made a mistake. Right. I, you know, um, I apologize for that. I, yeah. I lost my cool. Yes. I should have taken my three deep depth. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think we do have to model the imperfection of, of being a human. And like I said, I, we started off by saying yeah, what yeah. a curse it would be if you were perfect. Right. I mean, you would not be helping your child know how to be a human being. No. We're not, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so I think, I think that that compassion piece is, is, um, is to realize that kids are not one incident in time is not going to make or break childhood. Right. Right. right? Yeah. That's not going to make or break a human being. Um, and, and to think more globally and, and more the long view, um, and to, to the part of, of gratitude, like what mm-hmm, we're thankful mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. for the part that's working, the part that's right, what are our strengths, so that we keep in proportion the stuff that the inevitable stuff, the the sloppy right. stuff, the yeah. whatever, right? So we go, yeah, you know, I really thought we were going to have this great trip to Florida. I didn't know my kid was going to throw up on the plane and yeah, then we were going to yeah. get there and the... <laughs> You know, the hotel right, yeah, have yeah. Our or luggage is lost or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I didn't plan for it, but I guess that's what life is throwing mm-hmm. us, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and we just do our best. Yeah. And actually, I, as you were saying that, I forget also how helpful it is um, when I do or how well received it is when you apologize to your kids. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, that wasn't, I did a bad job there, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I also have gotten pretty good at uh, prefacing an interaction mm-hmm. with, I'm irritated right now, I'm tired, I'm impatient, whatever. So either leave me alone, <laughs> or I'm sorry <laughs> for the reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and a little boundary stuff. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then... I may react a certain way out of this situation and I'm sorry. I'm just letting you know kind of thing, which I find very helpful as well. And there's a fine line there too, between, between acknowledging that sincerely and then being like, Oh, leave me alone. Like I'm tired. I'm irritated. Stop. Like it's very nuanced in some ways, but 
simple? I don't know. I don't know. No, but again, I'm yeah. I'm sure your kids can read your face and yeah. know how on edge you are. Yeah, better, more so. The other day I was going to, my son was irritating me and I worked with, I have a friend who runs a martial arts therapy group oh, awesome. for the Child Development yeah. Institute. Yeah, wow. it's super cool. Uh, he was on this actually. Um, and he teaches them this thing called sword breath. And ninja breath. So sword breath is like, you know, you bring your arm up and you deep, deep breathing. And ninja breath is no arm. So you do it like in stealth. Oh, deep cool. breathing. Yeah. yeah. So he was, and I'm trying to teach that to my son. So I, he could see I was about to say something to him out of anger. <laughs> <laughs> and he saw me pause and take this big, deep breath. And then I just let it go. And he sort of called me out. And he's like, you just did ninja breath or whatever. And now when he sees me getting irritated, he goes, ninja breath, ninja breath, ninja breath or whatever, which is great. <laughs> yeah. They're saying get yeah. it together, yes. dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Self-regulate, dad. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and that speaks to, I guess, that we really model, like, how much of, I guess it varies all over the place, but the responsibility between, or the influence, maybe that you have as a parent over, cause I find myself either being critical or blaming myself for problems that I see in my kids or something like that. Like, Oh, I didn't model that well enough. Right. Or whoever's... Well, I think parents take on uh, way too much um, ownership for kids okay. behavior. It's not to say we have a tremendous amount of influence. And I, again, really believe in parent ed and child guidance principles and all that. Yeah. Um, but Again, in the breaking the good mom myth, one of the myths are my children are a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. So you go to a restaurant and your kids jumping around on the banquette and you're mortified because yeah. what you're really you're mortified because you're thinking all the other people in the restaurant are looking over yep. and judging me yeah. and saying, what did she do that she's yes. got this you know, animal of a kid that's not been socialized to eat out in a restaurant. And mm-hmm. so we get humiliated yes. based on social judgment yep. of ourselves. Yep. And so that's, that pushes a, a trigger for a lot of people. Big time. How much of that is a balance between, yes, people are judging me and who gives a shit if they are yeah. versus I really do think this is my problem or something like well, that, so yeah. I, which I, you're getting well, to maybe. Yeah, I was, so for some people being judged socially um, that's a huge thing for, for many people. Okay. Um, you, I think you have to be really strong at your core when you're parenting, you know, like when you have that kid having the, the meltdown because they want the chocolate bar at the checkout counter, which is so iconic, but it's, yeah, you know, it is, it right. Is, yeah. but, but, but if you, if you give them the chocolate bar going back to our, what do they learn? They they learn that you're embarrassed in public and you'll right, get worse right, behavior right, in your right, own right, right, yeah. because they just put they they just had their learning moment. I'll embarrass you to get what I want. So it's if the the more correct way is to say I'm sorry. We have a family policy about chocolate bars. This isn't chocolate bar time, and it's okay to be disappointed. You know, and yeah, let right, them right, have right, the right. tantrum. Yeah, 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 yeah. People are going to look at you. They don't know the backstory. No. They don't know what's going on. They don't right. know that you're actually applying a really great parenting yeah, tool yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you're going to have to just stand there saying that they don't know my business. Yes. Um. So, but then catch yourself because what I find is people who are fearful of judgment are, are actually quite judgmental. 
of themselves and other people. So at any moment, you can tell yourself a story. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you mm -hmm, can say mm -hmm. like, oh, that guy's a jerk. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, huh, I bet you that person's wife's having a baby and they're trying to make it to yeah, the hospital yeah, on time. Like, yes. hey, hope it's a boy. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Right? Like, uh -huh. you, so I think we, we, if we stand in judgment of others, then the assumption is that people must be doing it back yes, to us. And yes, the minute yes, we yes. stop being judgmental, negative about other people, the more we're kind of freed of not worrying about it ourselves. Yeah, that's really nice. And that's a big part of mindfulness, I would say, is that practice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, wow. It's, it's nice to be able to talk and explore all these things. I'm trying to think of some other beyond the guilt. And maybe I'm curious, uh, maybe how it worked with your daughters. Are they... We looked at those dates before. Are they Gen X or iGen, which would be after 95? Oh, so mine, they're, my kids are right on the cusp. Are they? Okay, so they oh, could right fall. On the cusp. Yeah, they are born in 94 and 95. Okay. But I, I remember, we have a video clip back with the handheld on yeah. the phone uh -huh. of, um, and because my then, I'm divorced, my mm -hmm. then husband um, had a, brought the, and he's an early tech adopter for everything. And he got the first Palm Pilot. Do you remember the Palm Pilot? I do. Oh, yeah. 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 What, uh, was it a, a thing you write on or a phone it, or something? It had a little stylus. Well, I remember like do, that was like my first like calendaring, like yes, getting in yes, appointments yes, yes, and stuff. Yeah. It took me painfully long mm -hmm. amounts of time to type a thing in or whatever. Yes, yes. Because you have to press each button three yeah, times to get with, So I remember I've got, the you know, this video of my kid. <laughs> Look what daddy got. And they're like popping away on the on this uh, palm pile. Right. Um, Amazing. But they, they had certainly, um, we probably introduced them to technology um earlier than many of their friends just right. because of the culture of our, yeah, our yeah, family. Yeah. Um, you know, and being close in age in both girls and, and me knowing about sibling dynamics, that was sort of an, an interesting ride too. trying mm -hmm. to moderate what I knew could create sibling rivalry versus sibling conflict. And just like a huge amount of, to your earlier question, yeah, parents think that they're the ones that shape their kids' personality. Right. Actually, siblings have yes. a greater influence mm. on how each other turn out. Um, and also their social circles, too. I think um, we were talking about it before and watching the or listening to Jonathan Haidt about, I think he mentions that ki uh, kids are more shaped by their social interactions than their parents they're, or something like yeah, that. Well, yeah, well, they certainly learn social hierarchies, social rules, you know, all those kinds of things that are, again, not verbal instructions. Okay. You know, I, yeah. I, not, I can't yeah. tell you mm -hmm. um, how to be with your friend group. You need to, like, learn from the sandbox of life. Right. So they do learn from those peer-to-peer -peer relationships. Um, and a sibling, depending on the age gap, is also somebody who you have to constantly negotiate with. And how much can I irk you before you take your ball and go home? Yeah. And watching kids constantly negotiate... Um, is fascinating. It is. Yeah, I think about my son and daughter because he's so much what, bigger. What's the age gap between them? Six and three. So three, so three years. Yeah, yeah, just under. Uh, and he totally uses his size and verbal, like he's bigger and louder and more rambunctious. So he totally uses that to get what he wants out from her. Yeah. And I, it, ah, sometimes it's hard to watch. 
and hard to know when to step in and right. all those and other that's things. Another, that's another case of um, triangulation if we don't do it properly. Interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. they do have to figure it out amongst yes. themselves. Yes. Now, three, I would say you're pro- yeah, three and six, not so much six, but for sure at three. Yeah. There's a lot that parents as as giving child guidance yes. um, need to teach kids. Yeah. So, you know, we can talk about how do we take a turn? How long is a turn? When do we know a turn is over? Um, yeah. You know, there's uh, there's right. things to be taught, mm-hmm. but once they have some rudimentary skills, most of when siblings don't get along has nothing to do with them n- uh, having ignorance of how to solve the conflict. Yeah, it, it, it's actually quite about having conflict for for another goal, uh-huh. and often that goal is to to pull the parents in to, for parental attention and and the proof of this is for if they really just wanted to have the conflict and if you extricate yourself and mm-hmm. say like you know hey i'm not interested in watching this and then you go down to the laundry room they'll follow you why would they why do they need to follow you if it's really about the two of them just having it out why do they need the audience hmm. they, you know they or kids that get along perfectly all the way home from school and the minute they walk in the door and and you're home then they start to fight it's like, really, you, you, had, you had 15 minutes of walking from school, you guys could have gotten into this. Like, why the minute you cross the threshold? Um, so there's just many ways that you can test that it really requires your presence for mm-hmm, this little mm-hmm, game, mm-hmm. this little dynamic to play out. And it usually involves us stepping in. Yeah. And usually we will side with somebody. We don't, we think, we don't think we're siding. Oh, I we do, don't think for it's sure. favoritism. Yeah. We yeah. think that we are just like the hands of justice. Okay. But we're not because we don't understand the dynamic. Right, Inevitably, right. we're going to blame somebody. Yes. And so we're going to say something, somebody wasn't fair or you're bigger, yeah, you should yeah, have yeah. used your words. And or... we think that's in, you said the hand of justice. So we think we're being just in our appraisal of the situation, something like that. Right. Is that what you mean by that kind of? Yeah. So yeah. we'll step in and being like, you we were want saying. to make things fair and right. Right. So, you know, we'll say, no, she, you know, you didn't ask or she, that's yeah. hers or whatever it might be. Yes. You know, you were yeah. too rough. You shouldn't have pushed. Yeah. You've already, you've had it long enough, whatever it might be. Right. And so that will be this, that will be our justification for right. stepping in mm-hmm. that we think we're going to make things just. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it requires the two people to actually have things erode to the point of conflict so that you come in and both parties have been complicit in taking mm-hmm. it to that level. So basically I tell parents to do the crime, to do the time. Mm-hmm. So if you have to step in, whatever happens to one happens to both. So it might be they both lose the toy. It might mean they both need to go upstairs for five minutes. Yeah. But once they realize um, that if I bug you enough that I'm going to have to go to my room, now it's in my best interest to humor you. So it's like, sure, sure, sure. Have another turn. No, no, no. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Like they will, they will learn to be each other's keepers as opposed yeah. to being antagonistic to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. How that requires a whole other book for me to write. That's yes, too it, short does, of an, it does. That's it too does. Too short of an explanation <laughs> for people to fully buy into mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But if I could get into the more nuanced details, uh, yeah, more, uh, that, it, it is a complicated dynamic. It is. And so then, how do you? Because I wanted to ask you. You mentioned the difference between sibling conflict and rivalry. Can right. you? Yeah. So talk I mean, about that a conflict's bit inevitable. 
yeah. between any two people, mm-hmm. right? Just the same thing because we're all different. So we're all going to have our moments where we disagree about things. You know, you like country music and I want the rock and roll station. We're going to disagree. We're going to yeah. have conflict about what radio to listen to in the car. Okay. Except for now everyone's going to put on headsets and go into their own little hole oh, on their man. phone. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. But it's an, so I think conflict is inevitable and we need to teach kids how to have conflict and how to resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. But when you've got somebody who is an arch enemy, whereby, you know, you have to think about like, Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. Like this is somebody who is your nemesis. This Mm -hmm. is somebody who you can't shine because you are constantly living in their shadow. And this is where kids start to get locked into roles in the family. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not uncommon to have a golden child. Usually if a child shows up in therapy and they're really like a bad egg, there's usually a very good child in the family. Somebody who just like, you know, I'm never going to be all that. Yeah. And, and parents don't see that they show um, pref- preferential treatment, um, but they do. Yeah. They, they do all the time. Yeah. And, and they'd be embarrassed to, to have it pointed out to them. But there's mm-hmm. things that we do in the name of fairness that are actually quite like rescuing. Yes. Um, that, that, are, that are quite tilted. But there's also the child's perception of the situation. So interestingly, you can have two kids born and one will just decide that their sibling is a threat. And that's just a personal determination that might have nothing to do with parenting. <laughs> that might have nothing to do with how golden the other child is yeah. or whatever. Man. They've just decided to take that stance in life and they will have a chip on their shoulder and mm-hmm. they will keep, you know, working based on that stance. And so, yes, parents have an influence on kids experience and whatever. But in the end, they're also creative meaning makers and we have to let go of that's out of our control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can try to correct it. Like when they eventually come into therapy, we might say maybe she's not so much a threat or he's mm-hmm. not so much a threat. We can work with that misperception of the world. Yeah. But it's not like if I only would have parented yeah, right. Yeah, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's not all ours. It's not 100% in our control. Mm-hmm. Do you know that quote from, oh, I'm going to say is, uh, your children are not your children. They oh, are. Yeah. How do you say his name? Cahil Gibran. Yes. About, so that's a really helpful one to mm-hmm. detach yourself maybe from, because we've been talking about that a fair bit, I guess. Thinking we're more responsible for our kids than we really are, or for their behavior, or yeah. their outcomes. And I, when you said sometimes they'll just decide that the world is this way, and then, I mean, that's wired into them, I guess, and part of their experience who knows right I guess and they're on a journey they're on a growth journey and they're going to find their way and they might not follow your exact dotted line of trajectory yeah um you know like I know a lot of students who are just because academics another big thing that shows up in class as does ADHD got to ask me about that but yeah you know parents really want their kids to have all A's in all subjects every year of their life yeah (laughs) and anything short of that they're freaked out um and there's many students who are actually like I'm a happy B. Yeah. And B means doing as expected, doing what the province says you should be learning. Right. And parents are all disappointed that they're at par, at level. How can you be disappointed with at level? It drives me crazy. Yeah, man. Um, but so some kids, it's it, it will, they might not go to college and then suddenly they'll decide, oh, you know what? I really want to be an X, Y, and Z. Now I got to go back and pick up some extra credits. Yep. And like life is long. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Life yeah. Is long. And so I think if you have, if you've got that, um, the, the, the good mental health and the relationships, which stabilize us, like I kind of think of it as being like 
the keel, the deeper the keel, the more the boat can handle the storm mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm, surface. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what that keel is, is, is your, your family and, and, um, and that's a belonging yeah comp like well betty lubetner calls them the four c's we need to feel connected we need to feel that we're capable uh we need to feel that we count and we need to feel courageous like nice the courageous is the living with the humility that we're not perfect yeah the, yeah the courage to be imperfect right. mm -hmm, it's not the mm -hmm. courage to fight a bully the courage to be yes. imperfect right. yeah um okay so since you said adhd and we can talk for a bit longer yeah that which would be lovely because it's funny i'm going to see my psychiatrist this afternoon uh and i have a diagnosis of adhd which i have a new psychiatrist mm -hmm. which is lovely because my first one was is very pharmacologically oriented and thinks everyone has adhd and thinks everyone should be medicated for it mm -hmm. and my other newer one who's younger uh, basically is skeptical over the pharmacalization of ADHD and also the psychiatric industry, uh, although he is a psychiatrist. Um, and where, and so now my son mm -hmm. is, he's in grade one and he's totally on the energetic side of being a young boy and yeah. he's impulsive and certainly has similar traits to his family, right? I'm not the only one sort of with these traits. Um, and so we went through this. So he's having, he's has a hard time keeping his hands to himself, you know, not super bad, but enough to get him in trouble from time to time at school. And so we went through this process of trying to figure out what to do. So we went to the family doctor, you know, we talked to his teacher, da-da-da-da-da. And this is an example of the healthcare systems, the mental healthcare systems, mm -hmm. all the possible problems with it. <laughs> or, of which there excuse me, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so maybe you can dissect this a little bit, I guess. But so then, so we go to the family doctor and, you know, it's at this clinic and it's like, or this family health center or whatever. You know, there's crying baby, you know, the reception areas overflowed. The reception, this is so irritating. There's no receptionist at the clinic now. So you go in, you check in on the fucking iPad, on oh. the beep, <laughs> on the iPad, you yeah. can see I'm getting irritated. Yeah. You, you swipe the health card on the iPad, you check in that way. And it's like, if you go to the receptionist, you're a hassle, hassle. for her to... Yeah. Take her eyes off the freaking computer and look you. It was so inhumane. Oh, it was awful. So uh, we were an hour early. I thought we were on time. We were an hour early. And so I went up to her twice. I said, can you just make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, we're not missing our appointment, whatever. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, whatever. She didn't think once to tell me, oh, you're actually an hour early. So go get a coffee. Come yeah. On. And that's why I kept going back to her oh. and bugging her. Yeah. So that was problem number one. She's like, go to the machine, <laughs> go away, go to the iPad and leave me alone. So problem number one. And then number two, we get, you know, we wait, we get into the little room, the doctor's rushing from patient to patient or whatever, uh, sits down and my, you know, my kids were a bit, I had both of them, unfortunately, but he was, rushing actually no that's a lie this was, i went with my wife so it was just my wife and i i was thinking about the other time we went recently where it was like that but so he's you know he's 
trying to get us out of there as quickly as possible, right? So he pulls up the WebMD stuff where he's like, diagnostic ADHD, tell me about your son. And he's like rushing us through all these questions. And he's like, prints out the, um, I think it's the only psychiatric evaluation tool for ADHD. He prints it out. He's like, okay, take this home, take this, like give one to your teacher, fill this out at home, come back to me. And then we'll like refer you. Like it was so just like diagnose, fix, get the hell out of here. Next patient in. Brutal. Yeah, it was so bad. So brutal. And my wife, actually, who I think you know, Nikki Goldman, who, oh, yeah. yeah, from yeah. this is so funny how the world collides like that. Anyhow, uh, we both work in this space to some extent. And so I just was like, I'm, we're not taking this thing to the teacher. Like, we're not pushing a six year old kid into the psychiatric system just because he's having a hard time as a six year old in school when he wants to run around and play. And so it was like we were getting squeezed by the pressure of the healthcare system. And I think ADHD is, I know there's a lot of psychologists who one say it's the behavior traits are real, but the diagnosis is bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then others that say, you know, maybe it is, but it's way overdiagnosed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's my long five minute explanation of our scenario where had my wife and I maybe not been a little more patient and experienced you know, my son right now may be medicated for ADHD at six years old when really, like, there's all these other factors. Yeah. So, ha, ah, I don't know. So I, like, I, I, I think um, it's complicated. Yeah, I guess, for but... people that haven't that haven't uh, done the journey. Yeah. When you look, so the the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistic Manual. So yeah. it is you you have to meet these criteria to get the diagnostic label. And of course, if you have a diagnostic label, it means then that that matches up with what insurance companies will cover in terms of approved medicines for those diagnoses. So in the last DSM, it got quite political because, you know, now, um, for I'll just use an example of, of grief. So it used to be that it was considered appropriate to be sad and to grieve for a month. But now if you grieve longer than two weeks... You're, that's now a psychiatric diagnosis, oh so that we God. can put you in back. the DSM five. Yeah, this? yeah. So we can wow. put. I think it's two weeks. So, so okay. but, but basically, what it means is, is that now you can meet the criteria that says you're abnormal. You shouldn't be this sad this long, so that we can put you on an antidepressant, so we can get you back to work. Right. Right. Yeah. As opposed to saying, you know what, humans get really sad when yeah. people die. They yeah. need a month. To, yeah. You know, it's not abnormal. So these categories of how how much attention should a child have. How how still should a six year old be? Right. Who's who's playing God and deciding all that yes. stuff? Right, like it's a little crazy. It so is. if you look at attention deficit, it is just a list of behaviors. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to clients, I say your child meets the criteria for ADHD. I do yeah. not say they have right. ADHD. There is no blood test. There is no genetic markers. There is no right. That is, yeah. it's just a list of behaviors. So then I say, well, how about if I gave you an alternate explanation because some of them are actually like, they'll say like, Oh, they can't focus. Oh, except for if it's something they really like. To yeah, do. I know. It's like and then so it's ridiculous. Focus, right. Yeah. So it's like, well, that kind of doesn't really add up. Does it? Yeah. So if I gave you an alternative for describing what, what could be happening, happening, yeah. um, that's plausible. And we work with kids. We find this really helps. So, um, and we get kids off medication, we get them functioning. Yeah. So, if we just look at the idea of, of um, impulsivity, mm-hmm. 
uh, if if we give the diagnosis that so they've got ADHD, they they have impulsive behaviors, then we stop training the child because we'll just end up saying that well he's impulsive, right. he's got his right. Yeah. I'm saying if he's impulsive, we need to train. Yeah. To your point, yeah. you need to keep your hands to yourself. Right. You, you know, you, yeah. what you need to learn is that when you're in a classroom, unlike at home, you don't get to blurt out the answers because there's 28 other kids here that also want to have a turn. Yeah. So a lot of it is training in what we call social interest, the care and the concerns for others, that right. a lot of these kids actually have a more self-interested focus. Yeah. I do what I want, when I want, mm -hmm. and you might say that it's circle time, but I don't care about circle time. I see a toy over there and I want to go have it. Yeah. And I've never had my needs thwarted. Because most kids now come from small homes where parents are more coddling and pampering yeah. and they don't enforce limits and boundaries. And the first time they're confined and asked to conform in a classroom, they fail. Mm -hmm. They fail miserably at it. So that's why most of the diagnosis happens in grade one. Yeah. Because it's where they have to sit at their desk and right. follow the teacher's right, rules. Right, they're right, like, yeah. what do you mean? This says life has never looked like this before. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because our early childhood training, and I think because parents are not constraining our kids yeah. um, because we're afraid of fragility, uh, because we're afraid of their emotionality, yeah. um, that they're not prepared to go into the classroom. Right. So, so that's, no, that's interesting though. So in our situation, I wonder, and it goes back to our other conversation, how much of it is the kid? How much is the parent? So my brother lives with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather died by suicide. So these things are in our genetics. Sure. And it's, there's some of these things on my wife's side. Um, how much of it, again, it's, that's where my wife and I have a hard time. It's like, are we horrible parents because our son is like this? Or have we done everything? You know, then it goes to the other side of, oh, well, we've done everything we can do and we can't be any better or whatever. Um, so that, that plays into that balance, right? Of like, how much of this is wired into us? Yeah. Like, supposedly, uh, neuroscientists or psychiatrists say ADHD and Schizophrenia are closely linked in the brain, although I don't think anybody really knows what they're talking yeah. about. I think we're going to end up with two diagnoses. I think just like Asperger's and autism, like, you, you know, you look at the variety between a high functioning Asperger's and somebody who's low functioning autistic. Yeah. And sort of say, you know, maybe we're talking about two different things. Here yeah, right, right. Break that apart. Uh -huh. So I think that we might find that there are. Um, like brain thingies or yeah, something like yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that there's still more to know there for sure. Right. So, and then, then also, you know, if you were my therapist, I would ask, like, what is the difference between us enforcing those boundaries at home and trying to help him understand that he's not allowed, you know, he's always had an issue with personal space, which is interesting because um, my wife and I are both very much if we don't want you near us, we will tell you. Yeah. Like, get away from me is not the right time, you know. Yeah. But he, and maybe that's a result of that. Like, it's hard to know. But the balance, again, he is this human being. We're not totally responsible for him. But we do play a role of helping him learn. He has to socialize. Yeah. And like, so yeah. That, well, that's the part where um, the, the model would be, um, uh, does your quiet rights to be your person impinge on the rights of other people. Right. So, so I want him to be his own authentic person. Yeah. But if it turns out that his favorite thing to do is to spit. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore he doesn't make friends. It yes. comes at a social cost. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm using that. Yeah. You but, said the social interest. Is that sort of yeah, like, yeah, part but of I the... mean, because again, I just wrote a chapter for the journal of individual psychology. I'm working with kids with special needs mm -hmm. and, and, um, 
the co-author has a son with charge syndrome and so he which is um a very rare genetic disease but it means mute os um uh, deaf mute spasticity feeding wow. tubes you yeah. know yeah. and it went, this child would get excited when the occupational therapist would come and mm -hmm. he would show his excitement by spitting yeah and so we talk about how all behavior is communication and so even with this child we still use all the same adlerian principles um, like it's a misbehavior because we don't want you spitting because it's got germs, yeah, right? But we yeah. want to show you how do you get excited. So he got like little hand rattles. And so we trained, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, that's lovely. Do this, yeah, yeah, do this. Yeah. Um, and so all the same principles apply regardless of whether you're neurotypical right. or not. We all as human beings need yeah. the same thing. So you know what? He's a touchy-feely guy. Yeah. Fantastic. We need touchy-feely people. He'll we probably do. grow yeah. up to be a therapist. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's fine to be tactile. Mm -hmm. Nobody is saying don't be your authentic self. But then we have to socialize you to say, but you have to conform enough that it doesn't yes. get in your way. So that you, so that you meet, you, so that you're socially successful, so yeah. that you don't give up belonging and connection that right. you're going to need in your life. Right. So it's not about making people cookie cutter. Yeah, but yeah. It's about where is it growth enhancing, and it's your true self, and where is it growth inhibiting because it doesn't have a place in this environment. Yes. So needs of the situation are, got to keep your hands to yourself. You can't yeah. sit on the teacher's lap. She has to teach the class. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think there's like just work, work to do. Yeah. Um, around the things that get in kids' ways and help them do it through ways right. that aren't disturbing or in, impeding on other people's rights. Yeah. And you, uh, when you said um, sort of looking out for the interests of others or something, so helping kids understand they're part of a social group yeah. and they have to, um, when I told my psychiatrist the story of my son and this whole thing that was happening and what we were trying to do to help him, he asked me what we were doing. And so I said, um, we're trying to get him to do sort of loving kindness practices and praying for people or wishing them mm -hmm. good things, which is sort of that helping one get out of the introspective, yeah. like narrow minded, like it's all about what Oliver wants or whatever, uh, into expressing that outwards. And that seemed to actually be really helpful. So I, exactly yeah. the same thing. Because yeah. again, an infant is born with, an, with, with a natural wiring to care for their fellow man, uh -huh. but it has to be grown and stimulated right. because they're naturally egocentric in the sense yeah. that who's, I'm going to die if you don't yeah. feed me. I'm going to die if someone doesn't pick me up and put a blanket on me. Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense for survival to be mm -hmm. egocentric. But then we have to nurture that now care for others. So the loving kindness is, yeah. is, in, is in thought just do more in action. So that could be something like holding a door open for somebody that could be breaking your cookie in half and giving it to right. a friend that could yeah, be setting yeah. the table that anything that he does that is helpful. I would just, anytime it's like when you hang up your coat, rather than saying, good boy, you say, thanks. That keeps our foyer tidy. You're helping us. Hmm. Helpful, helpful, helpful. Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, second yeah. C that's yeah. the C for capable. Right. Helpful, helpful, nice, helpful. Nice, And then you go to a 12-step group. What's the first thing they do? Yeah. They get you helping people. It's beautiful. Depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help yeah, others. Yeah, That's yeah, how you yeah. lift yourself out yeah. of the depression. Right? Hugely so helpful. It's, it's just doing that with kids. Yeah. 12-step um, groups are amazing. Um, and the last thing maybe I can ask you is about um, a spiritual life or a life in that sense. Yeah. Because um, I know you told me, I can't remember now, though, if... Your grandparents, what they were lecturing to the UU congregation in the city or something like yes. that? Or so has that been a part of your family history, the spiritual side of things or whatever? Sure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and how do you see that either missing in today's young people or I don't know. It seems to me 
that that is a huge hole in, in our society yeah. right now. And so how have you maybe seen that be helpful for kids and families or maybe how that works in the larger thing, larger scheme of things and how people that are staunchly secular, if you will, or yeah. agnostic or whatever, atheist, how can those things be helpful to them or mm -hmm. something like that? Yeah. So, so the first part of the question, so the group, my dad and grandmother that founded the Alfred yes. Adler Institute, yes. so they're like, were many, many generations Unitarian okay. at, at first here in Toronto. Yes. And my grandmother actually was the head of RE because okay, she right, had her early yeah. childhood degree. And that was when Dreikers, who had written Children the Challenge, was trying to find places to speak. The, the Adlerians were trying to find any group of, of people to hear right, the kind yeah. of the messages. And so they spoke at a lot of Unitarian congregations because their themes were social equality. You've got, you got to remember, like, this is, we forget how much social equality has improved, even between the sexes. No kidding. Even, yeah, you know, and again, yeah, we're nowhere yeah. close. I don't mean to say yeah. we don't have work sure, to sure. do. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, but uh, but so, even 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, it's been a big yeah, it's there's been progress. Right? So we so we they already felt they were talking to like minded people that were would warm to these ideas. Yes. And um, and so I grew up in the church and um, that's been a part of my my family. Um, the non-religious religious church. The non-religious. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's right? so yeah. funny. How yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's to your I think there's a difference between religion and, and spirituality. Yeah. Um, but when we look at mental health and human beings and some one of those core things that make that deep keel that help yeah. us through the storm. Uh, I think it really does come back to having uh, some um, paradigm to of which some context of which to make some of the deeper questions of life make more sense. And uh, I don't, you know, in our church, of course, we're saying, and everyone has to decide that for themselves. Yeah, if you'd like right, to right. go somewhere where that's all been laid, laid out for you, great. Yeah. Um, and what I tell parents, I would rather, like, just pursue something spiritual because most of the core tenets that we want to pass on might be written in different language, but some of those core principles are echoed in all the major yeah. faiths. Yeah. So, you know, just pick one, you know, don't rather than picking nothing. And I certainly think with, even with character education, um, we do a lousy job of teaching that at school. And I don't yeah. really think it would be great for school to enforce it, but they teach it like, um, like a curriculum. So it's like, today we're going to learn how to be nice. Sit in your desk. We're yeah. going to learn how to be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, so well, like, live it, breathe it. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the same uh, with um, LGBTQ communities where it's yeah. like, it's some feeling like you have tolerance and acceptance is the culture of your school. It's not, it's not chapter two of the health textbook yes. in grade 10. You right. know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, you yeah. got to live it, breathe yeah, it, do yeah. it, experience it. So I think for some of those, those, uh, we're, we're missing the, the, the decrease in attendance from congregations, the, the lack of importance that people have put on spirituality, I think is being reflected now when we see things like um, the, the number two thing. Kids, now if you ask kids their most important values, it's wealth and fame. So we're really not doing a good no, job. No, no, no. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think it's, <sighs> I think it's, it is core to to the human experience yes. to have a sense of, of of purpose and meaning, and I think spirituality speaks to some of those greater questions. You know. Yeah, and have you seen um, 
maybe kids or families, I don't want to say transformed, but inspired or healed uh, by looking into those things? Like, have you worked, had any direct experience with that or? I, I haven't. Yeah. You know what? I, I haven't, sadly, mm-hmm. um, because I was actually just listening to a podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was a therapist who said he was quite late into bringing spirituality up into his his uh, counseling practice because some people get really freaked out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they do. To bring it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, you know, as you and I know, there are things that are, that are healing and transformative that really are only informed by that realm, you know? Yes. Um, But somehow recommending it, you're afraid you're going to have like clients. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Like run out the door or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even with mindfulness. I mean, I bring up mindfulness all the time in my practice and I'm I'm always tentative because I don't want them to discount me as, you know, oh, one of those yeah, right, crunchy right, right, granola right. therapists yeah, yeah. with the scented candles and the shawls, you know, like <laughs> yeah. oh my live God. up to the stereotype that the public doesn't like. Wow. Okay. Well, we've been going on for quite a while. We gotta go home and raise our kids. We do. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, maybe sometime we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. That would be lovely. But so, yeah, if anybody out there, uh, maybe you can tell people where they can... Sure. catch up with your work and yeah. etc and i'll include it when this turns into a blog or and posted properly yeah wonderful yeah so so it's uh the best place to find me uh, is at allisonshafer.com which is my website which i will spell because it's yes, a terrible it name i'm finally terrible name a-l-y-s-o-n-s-c-h-a-f-e-r Dot com, And if you go there, then it's got all my social handles for Twitter right. and Instagram yeah. and Facebook yeah. and, and all those other things. I also have a regular column on um, Huffington Post Canada Parents, and I have my own little tab. So Ooh, nice. but pretty much if you just Google my name and then a question, yes, yes, it'll yes. take you to wherever I've written about it, wherever it's posted. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. you got lots of... Yeah, and I do a Facebook Live once a month and stuff too. But if you get my newsletter, then you'll find out what's coming up and how to stay in touch. And I, ho- I mean, I hope this has been inspiring for parents to want to learn more mm-hmm. and um you know there's it's it's a long journey yeah, like, even though yeah, my kids are 24 and 25 like i'm still their mom I'm, I'm i'm parenting at the launching portion i'm still challenging yeah, yeah. myself around how much when it never ends it just changes, <laughs> it just changes. yes cool okay well thanks everybody for listening and till next time and I guess I'm supposed to turn the music back on. Um, <laughs> Unless you'd like me to start singing. Yeah, hey, well, maybe I do, actually. I've been trying to practice playing the guitar lately. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Okay, goodbye, everybody.